It's 12 o'clock in Frisco, Texas, and it's time for Smoker Broker Radio with Robert Mesh, a.k.a. The Smoker Broker. Robert is the owner of Small World Realty and has employed hundreds of real estate agents in his 17-year career. He has instructed and mentored over 10,000 real estate agents at the highly acclaimed Champions School of Real Estate and is considered an expert in Texas residential realty. Robert is also an advocate of true entrepreneurial spirit and has helped many to transition from corporate America into the world of self-employment. And now live from the studio to your world, The Smoker Broker. Hey, welcome to Smoker Broker. I'm Robert Mesh, and I'm the guy they call Smoker Broker. You won't find many real estate professional barbecue guys out there. There are plenty of them that barbecue, but there are very few that um, take it to the level that we do. Talking last week about how uh, we had the World Championships uh, just this past weekend. That's something we don't normally do. We don't compete as much as we used to. We, uh, you know, we that's usually charity that uh, we do our barbecue stuff for, but. We do still do the pro level every once in a while. We did it this past uh, this past weekend, and uh, like I said in our last show, we fin- we finished middle of the pack of pretty much everybody, but we did finish 17th in sausage uh, with about 700 people or so, with pretty much the world's best. Outfit. So that was a highlight for us. It's pretty much why we keep going back. It's something we enjoy doing, and we're we're not half bad at it every once in a while. If we stay sober, we're really good, but. Uh, it was good to be back to the world championships there. We had a great time. Uh, and that is in fact where that smoke and broker name comes from. Uh, a lot of people always ask about it. And uh, that's what we do. I actually run what's called the FDR group at Keller Williams. I think it's sometimes overshadowed by the fact that I do the barbecue stuff, but I'm actually a much better real estate agent and broker than I am a barbecue guy. So thankful for my guys on that piece of it. I always bring some of my crew in. I can't do this by myself. And like I said, they're usually a lot better at, uh, than I am at it. I got my buddy Mike Dallas up there, longtime friend uh, and a real estate agent with me as well. Got Mr. Gary Rich uh, on my corner. He is a mentor of mine. He's taught me how to be uh, a long term instructor and he's become quite the friend uh, over the years. He runs our stuff down there in the uh, San Antonio area in South Texas, uh, down the coast, uh, Corpus Christi, and all that good stuff. Got Miss Rich, she's probably one of the smartest uh, agents that we have. Uh, we were just bragging on her about uh, her last show and her analysis. I was telling uh, Mike that uh, literally, I I think uh, even a a PhD would have probably said that's a good assessment (laughs) of what's happening. And then I got my buddy down there, Phil Goff. uh, His assessment pretty damn good too. So Phil is actually a uh, one of our uh, primary um, lending vendors, but I asked him to come on. He was an appraiser uh, at a time, and he was very clear. It's not something he did for a very long at all, but uh, he has some insight. So I asked him to come on uh, with us today because we are going to talk about appraisals. We haven't done it in a long time, and uh, we're going to go ahead and discuss it because it's it it's changing with the shift. It affects us the way we do things. It's going to be interesting how um, the document about the addendum uh, for appraisal. Uh, how, how often we're going to see that anymore. So we go from it's on almost everyone to where it almost disappears. So we're going to talk about that, but we're also going to talk about the uh, intricacies of the appraisal process. Now, if you watched our show last week on finance, we were discussing uh, why the FHA or the VA can have some uh, issues. Well, we're going to continue those conversations probably at a deeper level on this particular show because 
the appraisal process can be held up depending on whether you went one of the government routes. So I want to thank everybody for um, uh, taking the time, especially uh, Rich and Phil for uh, doing double duty for me there um, uh, for today's show. You all see the shows uh, every week, but we actually do them back to back these days uh, since we're not so much in the live studio anymore because of uh, the COVID pandemic. But actually now that that's all done, uh, we actually prefer doing it this way anyway. So it's more convenient for us. We're able to get more shows out. Plus, we've done a ton of them. We've got to be close to the upper 150s or 160s by now. We're almost on our third year of doing this. We absolutely love it. Uh, it conveys our brand, and uh, it also is a great educational tool. It just gives you a tip of what we uh, have to offer uh, in our particular group. So let's talk about appraisals in general. So let's talk historically about how appraisals, how appraisals came about and um, what's happened over the years to get us where we're at today. You know, there was a point in time where money was lent and it was just given on good faith. So here you pay us back, whatever. Well, it didn't take uh, most financial institutions long to figure out that that just doesn't work. So they're going to have to look at other things. And one of the other things became collateral uh, of the house itself. So they said, well, look, uh, we're going to we're going to bring this part of it in and we're going to say it has to be worth this amount before we get that kind of money. So we go through this for the longest time. Uh, the longest time it, it's, it's flexible. I mean, like it's probably too stringent. I mean, or not stringent. Uh, anybody can get a loan. We used to joke before 2008, you could, uh, you know, I guess I'll show my age. You could have Mr. Ed, you know, order, a, uh, you know, um, do a loan and he would have got the, he would have got the loan jealous like did i watch that show i <laughs> but we uh we it was just anybody could get one you know it was just so flexible well then the crash in 2008 comes, and they just hammered the lenders and you know what nicely so even with still being one although he was one after so he didn't count but even before then they crucified those guys they were like y'all gave that money to everybody and y'all are the reason why we're here and there was some truth to it. So in the government's ultimate wisdom, the way they fix everything is they decided to go the polar opposite. They decided to make it as stringent as possible for somebody to get money and they put all these rules into place. And a lot of these rules came down and affected the appraisal industry. One of the most noted was the uh, Dodd-Frank Act, which is typically not considered a very friendly real estate. It has nothing to do politically, with who Dodd is, or, you know, it's just a matter of, it was very detailed in what we're responsible for and how it affects us. And it it had life-lasting changes to us um, and continues until something changes about it. So one of the significances to the um, uh, Dodd-Frank Act, or Frank Dodd Act, whichever way it goes. Uh, you had it right. All right. Dad Frank. Frank. They, uh, they added what was called a collateral underwriting agreement to where they finally let an appraiser start attributing value to upgrades. See, up until that point, a lot of people were surprised by this too. Uh, up until 2008 or so, most of us, when we valued a house, whether it was an appraiser or whether it was uh, a real estate agent, we rarely took into account upgrades for the value of your home. Now that irritated a lot of people. A lot of people would be like, well, that doesn't make sense. Like for instance, they'd be like, uh, well, why, 
if if these two houses are the exact same, I can't get them equal here. If these two houses are the exact same, yet mine has fifty thousand dollars more of upgrade, then why are we selling for close to the same amount? So common sense wise, a lot of people argue, well that that's not right. It doesn't make sense. But that's the way we did it. We looked at square feet, we looked at the location. Uh, the age, those are the primary things that we looked at when we comp the house. And we still do appraisers as well. This is still the generics that we look at. However, appraisers have gotten into where they try to give value to an upgrade. Now, when this first came out, some people were like, you know what? It's probably about time. Yeah, you're right. It's not fair that someone put all that stuff. Like it, me and Dallas are a great example. Dallas is, Dallas is as handy as can be. I can't do a damn thing. He's always been more upgrades than I'm going to have. So if we have the same house, you know, he's going to be like, well, why the hell is Mesh's house selling for the same as mine? I've worked, you know, 500,000 times hours more than he has. Here's the, here's the reason why it was always like that, okay? You can have someone that would put $20,000 worth of hardwood down. And they would be like, well, I mean, I'd add 20000 to my house where they could do anything. No. You put $20,000 in, but it's very possible that you were a sucker and you paid twice what that would would have cost. So why should I pay for your stupidity? Why should I pay 20000 Because you did. Like me and Mike are a great example. Mike would be the guy, or whatever I would buy, I would have spent twenty, and he would have gone and probably spent seven on it and said, well, you're a dumbass. Why'd you do that? So this is out there, okay? This is a problem that we have. And the appraiser goes in, and I, I really, and I, if it was super clear, but he's like, hey, I'll come on and ask, answer basic questions. I'm curious about his opinion when it comes to saying that is worth this. I want to hear him say what he would think because I've always been of the opinion. I think they just threw something out there and said that's as close as I can come to it because Here's the thing, no matter what, no matter whether Phil's right, no matter whether I'm right, it's subjective. And anytime you have subjectivity into adding an amount to something, we're going to have problems on an, an ultimate value. Yeah. And if that ultimate value is off, we could have an issue with a loan falling through. So I want to bring my friend in, Phil, here. And like I said, I appreciate you coming back, um, back to back for me. And I appreciate you saying, hey, look, I can answer a few because I get that. But your cue is going to be good enough. Tell me your generic feeling about when you became, I actually like the fact that you only did it for a little bit because I think your answer will be more genuine. How did you feel about when you first started looking at appraisals? Were you doing it during the time where they did start saying, hey, you can account for an upgrade or take away for lack of upgrades? So to be honest, I don't remember that being a hard, fast rule. Okay. Um, however, as part of your comparisons, you look for houses that are similarly upgraded um, if you have a house of the pool, you look for at least one comp of the pool. So you can see what the value difference is between a house of the pool and a house without a pool. Because yeah, you're right. Otherwise, it's completely subjective. Like, you yeah. you know. But but to begin with, my opinion, it might not be the state's opinion. Is no, I don't care. I, I, I want to hear it. House's value is a gray area. It's like anything else. Your house could be worth between 250 and 280 um, yeah. And I, I think the reason that appraisals began are with everything you're saying, 
was more to stop predatory stuff from happening, right? People from coming and buying houses way, way less than they were worth and way more than they were worth. So, you know, to me, if it's within $10,000 or so, I don't, I don't really see a problem. Phil, kind you, of just said something. you just said something, and I know it's because you have the same background that I do, and it's something that I'm very passionate about, and I still don't understand why I'm not listened to. So Phil has an accounting background like I do, and it, it, it doesn't surprise me he said that the way that he does, because he's alluding to something that is terribly missing right now in this appraisal issue that we have. Most large corporations, when they do their accounting, there's no fancy word for it. They use what's called a plug. When they get to where the amounts are off and they just don't tie completely, they'll put what they put call a plug to even it out. Well, a big corporation plug, you could be talking like three or four million sometimes. And by the way, this is what causes a lot of corporations to get in trouble because usually when you see some type of fraud, it's because of these plugs. Why would you look at variances? Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Well, here's my thing. The way it's drafted now, an appraiser comes in, we're at, you know, 300K value. The appraiser comes in like at 295. That should never fall through because of its proximity. He actually says the right amount too. Like if it's within 10%, I'm like, why are the whole purpose of the appraiser was to stop fraud. It undermines the free market. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So if it stops fraud, then why, if something's off 5%, clearly no fraud was being driven there. It's, that's very possible that there was a difference of opinions. No one's trying to screw anybody. How can a loan be trashed because of it? Those guidelines are written by someone who does not understand financial common sense when it comes to home values and that filled once again his wording how did you but say how it? often is how often is that happening oh that my god a, a that a by by five percent ten percent oh my god oh oh off by less in the last year a ton oh my god yeah right. historically historically a ten percent or more or ten percent less I'd say, okay, but that has again, but historically in what homes are selling for now, right? That That's my issue, right? I listed the house for a million dollars and yeah. the person who's buying it is buying it for 1.4. So if you're telling me my appraisal came in at 1.390, how is that possible? My no, house no, so is worth a million point. based on sales, not what definitely, somebody's willing to pay for it. Right. Definitely last couple of years, a different type of, um, appraisal issue this time we're not talking so much about was there an upgrade to or de, uh, or a lack of upgrades that caused the well damage. the upgrades just go out the window right, it makes right. no we difference more, what right? upgrade you can have right. a pool you can have an asbestos infection real or uh, right. uh, infestation at that point it doesn't matter right well, so like you know, how do you how do you account for that gap in terms of an appraisal right and so then why why can the appraisal fall through in five percent you're right and and where you would have to have this is and phil probably knew this when we started talking about it this is probably much more geared towards a home that's under four hundred thousand than it is mm -hmm. for a home over because over. you have yeah. go ahead phil who was, who was saying something oh i wasn't saying that I was nodding my head yes <laughs> no say it go ahead well you know when you get the higher you get and actually really that keeps going up if you get above like a conventional level or an fha level then um a lot of times it's harder to qualify for those loans, but the restrictions are way less. So, because right. 
you know, and the level of qualifying makes it so that the risk is way less on the bank. So they're, they're willing to look, look to the left a little bit. Basically. You know, Richie, you, you do make a good point that this is more geared towards the, actually, if you want to have a real intelligent conversation about it, it actually merges with the conversation we had on the other show. If we're running towards a, uh, uh, a, a major a, housing crisis, four hundred thousand, right? Then why are we talking? <laughs> it does make me wonder yeah. uh, whether we see it but, or not. But again, those are unfortunately the group of people that don't have an extra ten thousand dollars just sitting around to meet the gap. Yeah. yeah. Well, four hundred thousand dollar house at five percent is twenty k. That's right. Right. I mean, twenty thousand so dollars to someone buying a four hundred thousand dollar house is is is, is large. It's you know, a, it is a large one point four is not a big deal at all. I, I, I understand the difference between the two. I, what I'm saying is I'm, I'm not in favor of the appraisal, not like the lender not approving uh, or backing out of the loan be, because of a five or 10% variance. Right. You're at saying the $400,000 price point. Yeah. 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 So I you're actually saying that yeah. that probably is not going to happen in the upper ones. But even if it did, it's ridiculous because that should, that you're actually saying in a different way than what we're saying. They should not be able to go through there and say, we're not doing this. And and it I like your take on it was different than I was going for, but it's the same one. Like if we're not, if fraud is not being committed, there should be a waiver. There should be a waiver that says, hey, look, we're good, but there's not. And because of it, it causes a lot of issues for us when a house is about to drop because of an appraiser's opinion. Now, when I do this show and this topic, and I do it in front of a lot of people, 95% of the appraisers, fantastic. Top of the line, mm -hmm. do their job exactly like it should. It's the few bad apples that give this group a bad name. But I'll tell you one that I did recently, and and and, and it's, the, it's the objection that I'm making. So I valued the home. I'd like to think that I'm more than capable of valuing a home, probably even better than the average person out there. I'll go that far, right? And the appraisal comes back and it's off by 50K. And I'm like, there ain't no way it's off 50,000. So I, I go and I look and I find out that the appraiser is in his first year, not that I care, because I don't penalize somebody for that. There are a lot of people in their first year smarter than someone's in their 20th year. But first year out of Mobile, Alabama, not in Dallas, Fort Worth, doing an area one. And he's telling me who's expertise in the same area for 20 years that I'm wrong and he's right. I'm like, that just doesn't make any sense on the face of this earth. And we're about to bounce alone because of this guy's requirements, the way he did it per instructed, which wasn't even right. That's $50,000 is a big gap. Like, did you not look at any of the cost comps? A house. He cost a family house too. Now, his comps are ridiculous. His comps went from, um, he skipped three or four neighborhoods that had perfectly normal houses. He went to another zip code that had a different cat. I mean, I'm just like, where did you, who taught you how to do this? Now this, again, very small percentage, but it happens. And you start getting into these things. So another part of our conversation, it was, and it's, it, it's deeper into the, uh, how they value things. So the pool conversation, I, I, I'd actually like to hear Gary on this. Gary, so you and I both know there's myths about the pool. There's a lot of people that think when 
you build a pool that you completely already lost money. That's not true. It depends. It depends. But the appraisers, they have a different view on how they look at pools, don't they? Oh, absolutely. Um, you've got some appraisers that think that, you know, it's a luxury amenity and they'll give it X, Y, Z, maybe 20% of its original cost and value, maybe even less. Uh, but yeah, see, it's that's also... What I love. See, that's the part... See, I, I never knew what it was, the percentages, but I've always known the common sense level of how do you figure it's worth that? Like you can have a, uh, an appraiser go in there and let's say you just put in a $50,000 pool and you have the receipt. The appraiser goes in there the next day. I've seen them go, it's 30. I'm like, how? How do you figure? Or less. He's got to cough a lot. Yeah. yeah. But, and then, you know, that's, that's one of those you know, elective amenities sometimes for the person who paid the freight, but I haven't seen a $50,000 pool in the last five <laughs> years. Most of them, you know, they so get into it. Everybody so starts chuckling, especially Rika, because she knows where I'm going with this. So, they say, oh yeah, we've got a pool deal for you. And then it ends up starting at 40 and ending up at 90. No, the average pool right now, we're talking a small, we're not talking Olympic She's size swimming pool, a rectangular pool. We're not talking a grotto. We're not talking a slide. We're exactly talking about a pool with a hot tub. 85 to $95,000. Have you heard yeah. me say that, Richard? Because I've been saying that exact, you're a little higher, but still close. No, it, it, I'm not. I'm maybe uh, by, by, yeah. ten, but by like five grand. Michael going, oh, higher, higher. higher. <laughs> no, I'm talking a basic pool. just get his car pool. It's higher. No yeah. laser show. Okay, Michael, it's not our fault that you build a grotto. That is not the same. I don't have a grotto. He wants the grotto. <laughs> you have Hugh right. Hefner's pool that does not count. <laughs> but at a minimum, 75k the base, point is minimum all this used to be it costs ninety thousand dollars to build a pool it's three cars yeah, the, the point is why don't they give closer to the realistic value of yeah. what something costs than just their maybe limited educated opinion that's the entire point of this show too that's entirely what i wanted to we could talk about appraisal for for months but that was the one thing i really wanted to focus in on today because we do have a valuation problem we have a valuation problem with the way an appraiser says this is worth that so one of the myths out there is like i said a lot of people will say uh when you start building a pool you are the moment you start digging in the ground you're losing money that's not true in all the not building a pool for money yeah. <laughs> you're building a pool to not get a heat stroke in Texas. That is the reason Excellent. you're building a pool. <laughs> in all the pools I've ever sold, I, I've never, <laughs> under, under 500K, I've never seen someone not get their value out of the pool. So that, that myth is wrong. Now, where the myth is right, and it's what Mike and Richard were talking about, where the myth is correct, when you start going over, 80 or 90k and you do start putting a no, but that's where they are now no no it's not about going over that well no what i'm saying is you lose your money then then you're sure you're certainly not getting that back that's the point i'm making is that once it crosses that you are in fact the myth is correct but the average pool they're gonna get their money but a lot of people think they'll lose money on their point and i know i go it should come back now this conversation is not for a luxury. There are a lot of luxury homes that have a, a 400K pool that actually add value because of its, you know, 
its uniqueness, but the run of the mill home, if it's got a pool with a run of the mill pool, it should carry its value. It's like Gary said, but even in regular average houses where they say, well, it's worth 15. I'm like, well, how'd you get there? Now we're at 80 or 90. You know, Gary, that's actually a point I would like to ask some of our champions got instructors. I'd be like, are the appraisers like Robbie and them? I'd be like, hey, how are you teaching that right now? You you realize that the price of a pool has gone up, right? You guys aren't still teaching them that you value a pool at 15. That's actually, I'd like to know because I don't think some of them are doing it. I, I think they're just, I think they're just going by standardized. And this is just my opinion. This is not backed up in any fact, but I've seen so many appraisals to work. They had a really nice pool, something like Michael has, and something like Rico would appreciate. <laughs> you know, my pool is a little green thing in the backyard. So, but the key thing is, is historically they weigh undervalue because they do not know the true replacement cost. And let's go to a, a method of the appraisal the replacement cost of what a swimming pool is, or maybe just not willing to allow it. And then. I love it. I love it. I love the pool. I love that example. You know, we can switch the conversation. This is one of my favorites, and I saw this one recently. There's a one of the big uh, islands, you know, and the appraiser uh, he tags it as granite, and he gives it a five thousand dollar value. So I go through and I look at the appraisal and I see where the uh, the upgrade is. So we. We, we don't normally talk to the appraisers. I want to make that very clear. We're not supposed to. And and because because of that friendly, you know, Dodd-Frank Act or whatever. But sometimes absurdity just can't stop someone, whether it's federal law or not. Nothing is a federal law about telling someone that's ridiculous what you just said. So in this particular case, I called the guy. He answered me. I, go, I saw on that appraisal. That put five thousand down for that granite. He's like, "That's correct." I go, "Well, it's actually not correct." I go, "There's there's two big problems with it. One, you're not close to what it cost." And he starts talking. I'm like, "Oh, I go, you don't let me finish." I go, "And it's not granite." I go, "It's an Italian marble cut of a rare kind that they had to ship for." I go, "You see?" I go, "That's the problem with someone like you valuing that because you don't have the knowledge to value." that piece of stone. And that's an issue that we can talk about on almost every single thing in upgrade that that possibility exists. And until that problem is corrected, we're going to still see issues with the way someone values a home. And, it, and it's becoming a problem. Uh, whoever thought that subjectivity was a great way to do this, I'm like, no, it's not. You know, Phil's response when he came on was great. You know, he, he, he said, well, we 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 account for uh the the uh the upgrades and we do too uh, we're not saying that we see a house that has a ton of upgrades and we just like say well that doesn't matter i'm like it does but we damn well don't start saying that's 15 that's 20 that's 30. can you imagine the nightmare we would have if our agents we can't get some of ours to write the contract out right more or less <laughs> giving me a price Point on, on. No, but there has to be some kind of industry standard, right? That generally most real estate agents go by. So yes, marble is different than granite, but marble I bought in America versus the I wanted this unique one of a kind shipped in thing from Italy. That's a personal choice that you made 
and that is a that's the price and cost of luxury that you have paid to enjoy right. for enjoy yourself. You bought it for your enjoyment. Right? You bought it for your enjoyment. There is a tax. There's a fee. Whatever you want to call it. There's a yeah. price you pay for enjoying the luxury. Okay. Is, so yes, there's a big difference between Formica and marble, but there is no difference for an average home buyer marble purchased at home and floor and decor or versus something flown in from Italy. Well, you brought up another, you brought up another point too, though. It, it's the, was it, we, we, a lot, the whole reason why for years we would um, tell people like the earlier example I gave that you put a hundred thousand into your house. I'm like, I don't care. I hope you enjoyed it. The general rule of thumb is that you put upgrades in for your own personal enjoyment where the problem comes into is is it valued i mean do we really value it that way because it is more valuable per fact but how far is it that becomes a real tough thing i think what's missing and i know why they don't have it because they couldn't do it but i i think what's really missing is there should be a set dollar amount that if they're about to go over they clarify they're like hey look that 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 uh, counter over the the island. You are an accountant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> your hey, true colors are showing. You, you love language to me here, Robert. I mean, why why the f do we audit stuff? We audit stuff to make sure that somebody is in line with what they're doing, and that's exactly where you go back. Hey, look, I know that 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 has more worth to it. I can't. Do you have anything that can show me that that homeowner will be able to tell you that value? They'll be able to prove that value. I think that those things should be entered in. Now I know why they can't because it'd be impossible. Yeah, to yeah, there's a, what, what something costs in Texas versus Hawaii right, right, versus right. Kentucky versus Idaho is right. completely different. Now, right. if you're going to get down to it and try to have a set of the whole point of Dodd-Frank and all the appraisal process, right. Was to have regular regulatory tools to have some kind of financial reform from frauds trying to right, take to, advantage, to fraud, right? So you fraud. made a bunch of line items to 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 abide by, but you left it halfway. You didn't finish the project. That's exactly what happened. Well, you didn't connect no. the dots, and you do. And yes, you're right. It is going to be difficult right. to come up with a regulatory standard for each state. I think Rika hit it right on the head. But what you know, what other choice no, do you have? Yeah, there is no regulatory standard for. Uh, based on regional and what we're looking at is when you brought up the example back when we had to deal with the appraisal management companies two three years back you would have a guy in you know you know cincinnati ohio trying to tell you what the value of something was in south texas well that's like asking somebody from new york what's what's louisiana gumbo supposed to taste like <laughs> you know that really is not right. <laughs> well, so it's a systematic problem to me, and so I'll liken it to something in accounting, and I'll, I'll, I'll connect the dots for you. But I don't know if all of you remember Enron. Everyone remembers yeah. Enron in general, right? So yeah. in the accounting world, it used to be you did things because you knew they were the right thing to do. And then some people came through and did the wrong things. And so the way they fixed it was they made so many rules that now no one knows what the right thing is they're not. So they, they made too many rules. So now you can't actually do what the right thing is, even if you know you're doing the wrong thing, because... You'll get your license taken away. And I think so we want that appraising, right? So we've got yeah. to the point where common sense isn't even a question because these guys are worried about their license. I personally knew three good appraisers that didn't make it through that. And I yeah. could have told you, knowing them, they were 
good guys trying to do the right thing. They weren't they weren't messing with values, but they made so many rules they took out the ability to use common sense. And so you just you, you just brought the other point that I wanted to make too, and and, and anybody who follows me and, and, and it's a primary punchline I use for everything. Um, I, I do detest when common sense has been removed because. But not everybody has it. Not that's <laughs> and that's where and the few rotten apples that don't have it ruin it for yeah, the rest you of the group. want to get into why what problems of the world are. You know, you don't have to go too technical. That lack of common sense is the one of the biggest barriers in any problem we have because you you look at someone and go, how did you come to that conclusion? Where where did your mindset say that this was okay? And that's exactly what the problem is. The common sense was taken out. So now you got someone who is following guidelines that really don't make sense to them, but they're told you have to do that guideline. You're, you're like, yeah, but I know good and well that that's not. And then they're, they're handcuffed and they can't do what they were hired to do in the first place. They become so red tape bureaucratic, which is one of the major problems right now in both the appraisal and the lending industries. And in defense of them, I get it, the amount of, deceitful people out there and what they're able to pull probably merits it. There's got to be a happy medium between someone going, wait, there's no way that house was off 40 or 50 K. I, if you went by the guideline, great. But what you did was too far. There's no way anybody, even a child could have come in here and said, this is worth that. That's the type of mentality that should be used. And it's missing. And it, it goes back to the old saying where, you know, you got, uh, very high up people, powerful people making decisions that affect the people that use it day to day that actually don't know how to use those things. You know, I'd love to. So I do have a problem with the, the Dodd-Frank Act, and I'd love for those individuals to sit in front of me and go, what was your background in housing? Because I know both of them don't have it, but I'd like to hear it because I'd be like, you realize that you'd have to have that piece of it to make those laws, right? I go, that wasn't just finance driven that you did. It was driven off of what the house or well, you don't know any of that stuff. See, that's the problem. That's the problem. You have people who make the rules and I'm like, yeah, but you don't, you're not in them. You didn't swim in them. You don't know how to swim in it. And you just told everybody else where well, you're going to swim in it regardless, even though I don't know how. And that's a big problem right now. It, it's, it's, it gets bigger every day. Richard brought up the other punchline to this is that now we're going in an opposite way where the houses were so high valued that it didn't matter whether they were off a few percentage points or not, but they were still off. Uh, another thing I wanted to talk about, and this one, I, I continue to wait for the right answer, and I, I ain't got it yet. Actually, I take that back. So this is this is funny. So I did a, uh, I was on a show earlier. Which show was it that, uh, was it, which one talked about the interest rate being, it might have been Clint that said it about the interest rate being off on the value. I can't remember what I wanted to say about it. It hit me and I was like, that's an important point that we're missing right now on. Give me a second. The value back off. I'll, I'll remember as we go through. It, it's a piece where. Oh God, what was it that he said that was so important? I can't remember it. But having those guys in there, they're making these types of rules. It causes a struggle for us, and it's day to day that we're having to go through this. We end up going through long explanations with the individual who did it. Then we have to go through long explanations with the general public, which, God forbid, that's even worse 
because we couldn't explain it to the person who knew what they were doing, more or less to the person that doesn't know what their audience was going to say. The value, I knew it would come back to me. So some appraisers now these days, you see an appraisal and it's done. The value, the, the contract was 850 and the appraisal miraculously comes back at 851 or 852, you know, and it, and it's not, it's not 852. It's clearly worth like 950 or 960, but the appraiser went in there and they did that. So that's a conversation that I think is worthy of having too, because I've heard mixed emotions on this. So I've heard some people say that they do it because, you know, why go any further if it satisfied the goal? I'm like, yeah, but then you got some that say, but that's not what it's worth. Weren't you hired to tell me what you think it's worth where I was going with, I don't know if it was Clint or Phil, but they were talking about, then you also, that's why, that's why I froze. Cause I don't think it was them. I think it was the other show I was on earlier. They talked about that. It doesn't necessarily that, that value. It's not there. They don't understand. They're, they're missing it. And I'm just like, well, which one is it going to be? I mean, which, which one, if it, if it, they're saying if they valued it at 950, that the seller would come back and say, well, I knew you were wrong. Why did we sell at 850? And they're saying that they're doing it to prevent that. I'm like, well, that's not what they were hired to do. Whether that was true or not, they were hired to tell us what their value was. Well, some of them don't do that. So, I, you know, I'm kind of like, well, where, where, how do you get, how do you do that? Well, how in a free market, if someone's yeah. offering you 850 for that house, then theoretically that's what the house is worth. Right. I would right. Say. I mean, but, if it's come down, then it's come down because that's what you're being offered. So that, that's that is the value of the home. You know, and Gary, this is this important for you too because you're um, uh, you've been doing this too. They've recently changed the uh, the 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 testing to where when they ask for value, this is good for anybody that's out there that's uh, pre-licensed. Uh, they'll they'll ask you, is your um, what is the best uh example of our representation of value and it will say a uh the list price b uh, the contract price or c the appraisal price or d none of the above and the answer is the appraisal price they they do say that the appraisal value is the market value even if the appraiser was wrong they're saying that that is the value i found that interesting i was like you know and that 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 you know, I just have to sit in front of a classroom of newly about to be licensed either agents and some more experienced brokers. And whenever I use that as an example, I cringe every time I say it because I'm saying, okay, I want to add a little footnote uh, if the appraiser really knows what he's doing, you know, but you can't say things like that. But we're educating the public to accept one individual's, shall we say, professional licensed opinion of what value is and, and not to put a, another layer of pepper on top of the already salty dish. Um, I just was presented with a big problem by one of my agents down here where a guy, really nice home, four years old, about 2,000 square feet, he elected to go ahead after he had this built on his acreage and upgrade and put a after the snow mogeddon of 2020 which i think we all remember he said well i'm not going through that again because i'm out in the country he put in honestly a 200 square foot 
solar panel array with a backup battery system and automatic switch. It's a, you know, and he said he he spent fifty k on. It. I went, golly, and oh quite God. honestly, what value does that have now? Yeah, there's a guy next to him that's basically got a butane tank sitting out, you know, behind this, you know, tool shed, <laughs> which well, thousand gallon butane next tank. to his ninety thousand gallon pool. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, are they worth the same thing? All being conservatively equal, but yeah, that, that's a great. It, what value do you put on that? Yeah, that's a great tie into. Depends on the neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> Remember, that's we what, talked about how the how the houses are appraised, cost, yeah. location, age, and other the other characteristics is what this falls under. Right. All that, the other frills that are part of the dress that <laughs> you're putting on that pig. What? How nice is the dress that you put on that pig? Basically. Yeah. Well, to, uh, to conclude, we with unfortunately because, have to deliver the bad news, Robert. Yes. Know? No. No. I agree. I agree. For so, the bad news bears. One thing that Gary's talking about, and it's a great, great way to segment to the the ending here. It, it does bring up the question: What does the future look like when it comes to appraisal? So Gary brought up something that is more obscure, but I'll bring you up something that all of us are starting. Hey, it was a great show. Uh, yeah, I like that. Yeah. That's a great point. <laughs> I'm there he is. He's back. <laughs> it, it, Cliffhanger. Where, we're going to start seeing the, the, the wind. We've seen a lot of the wind powered stuff. So you like, you see a lot of the big, um, like a, a university, like up in uh, North Texas, the University of North Texas, you see all the big windmills. You see in um, um, uh, Coppell you, uh, on North Lake, these are places that are powered because of wind. Uh, we've been seeing recently a lot of uh, luxury homes that you have, a, like Gary was talking about, not solar panels, but we've started seeing windmills on top of a, a, the, the, the uh, pool equipment. And the, it's using the power from the wind to power the pool. Well, y'all, that technology is expensive. Whereas solar panels- That's 20K. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. Whereas you see solar panels um, 30 years ago, that was, nobody could afford them. Well, even today, they're still expensive, but they're still more affordable. So you see more of them. Well, you're gonna start seeing that with wind, especially in places like Texas where wind is very prevalent. And you know, a lot of people always refer to Chicago as the windy city. I'm like, you know, that's a that's a political term, right? It's it's not a weather term. It's it, it refers <laughs> to how many people come in and out of office. We are actually the windiest state in the country. Well, you have people that are learning how to harness that power. It's only a matter of time before those devices become more prevalent. And then you start saying just what Gary said. Well, how, how much did that cost? Was it 50? Was it 30? And are we now talking about something that was a, uh, that was uh, for the seller's enjoyment or was it talking about, no, that actually improved the value of that house because that house's power bill is significantly lower than that guy. So you start getting into a, how does that work? You know, where does that go? And the one last thing I'm going to mention and, this is a whole nother show combined. In fact, we want to bring you back to this one and Clint as well. The, uh, you know, when you start talking about 
what assumptions are going to do. This country is about to witness the greatest amount of assumptions in the history of us doing this. You have hundreds and thousands of Americans who purchased a home under a government note that most are assumable at under 4%. And you're about to get to a market that might be at 7 or 8%. Those people are about to put their houses on the market and they're going to flat out say, the guy next to me, you're paying 8%. You can get my house for 4%. So I'll cut you a deal. You give me another 75 or 100K for my house and I'll save you 200, 300K in interest. I can't wait to see how we start valuing that because what you're going to find is you're going to start getting MLSs that are going to actually have to have an addition that says this was given on an assumable and they're going to have to factor that in. So the, the conversation is fascinating when it comes to the world of appraisal and how it affects us. And, you know, today's judgment was really just to talk about some of the problems that we have. So for all the agents, you know, that are especially new inside that one to five year range, the takeaways today should have been, look, some of those things can cause problems and you need to get yourself familiar with them. But the subject is greater and much deeper than what we discussed here. Y'all want to thank everybody for always watching. I want to thank my buddy Phil Goff for um, uh, coming on again. Of course, always Michael, um, Gary, and Rich, uh, good friends of mine. Uh, we can't do the show uh, without them. Literally on almost three years now, 150, 160 episodes or so, uh, which continues to show the content is very valid for the people who watch. So thank y'all for watching. We'll see you guys soon. Take care. Have a good one. Thanks, Robert. Yep.